I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. excited to be here. I'm in this dream place. This one comes highly recommended. Dream place. What are you doing? Get out of the car. Yeah. The girl is still missing. What's wrong? I don't know who I am. I wonder where you were going. Come on, it'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be someone else. Hey there, and welcome to Rewatchability. We are an Entertainment One podcast on their network. My name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is Robert Larone and J.M. McNabb. And this week, we are going to talk about David Lynch's Mulholland Drive. But before we get to that, I want to thank our Patreons. Those are people that go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and give us one, three, five dollars a month just to keep the podcast on a steady course instead of crashing and then us losing our memories and walking down hills. That's, it's happened to Rob a few times over the course of the podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's been 10 yeah. years. <laughs> Rob, Rob enters these fugue states. We bring him back. It's fine. Happens to everyone. <laughs> so thank you so much to the people that have gone there and done that. They are receiving some bonus content. Sometimes they get uh, an extra episode on, on something that no one else gets just for them. And most times they get the podcast free and other little perks. So if you want to support us, go there. Check that out. Patreon.com slash rewatchability. And you can support us that way. And uh, Jam, you want to say something too, right? Yeah, I have something I want to plug to. It's my sort of last chance to do this. I am doing a marathon this coming Saturday, if you're listening to this when it first comes out, which is uh, May 29th. I am doing a marathon for charity. Like, Blaine, you've done it through a few marathons, right? Are you, th- I, wait, I didn't listen to last week's episode. Did, did you? Are you actually doing a marathon? I'm actually doing a marathon. It is a movie-watching marathon. Oh, okay. But I'm doing the marathon. <laughs> there we go. And, uh, no, it's, uh, it, is, it is a movie. For, you know, I, I've always wanted to do like... You're going to carbo load? I've always wanted to do like a charity marathon. But I'm, you know, I'm not a runner. And that's not a thing I do. But there is this great event happening. It's uh, through the Fox Theater, which is an uh, independent cinema here in Toronto. Obviously, oh, yeah. they've been shut for great most of the past year. They're on hard 
times, I'm sure. And so to support that theater and Cystic Fibrosis Canada, they're going to split the proceeds. They have organized this movie-watching marathon. So if you want to sponsor or pledge money for me to sit there and watch movies all day, I'm going to watch at least four, maybe five on Saturday, you can go to shop.foxtheater.ca and donate money, put my name in the special instructions field so they'll know it's it's for me. I'm the, you know, the hypothetical runner, the the metaphorical runner. <laughs> I will be running through cinema history. For <laughs> you should watch all running movies. Yeah, Forrest like, Gump. Yeah. Run Fat Boy Run. <laughs> Blade Runner. Chariots of Fire. Yeah, no I'm not going to do that. Uh Yeah, those ones are Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. Yeah, that's one mm. I assume I all never saw have it. runner in the title. Uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah, check that out. It's all Great going to uh, a good cause, and uh, yeah, thank you to all of those who have donated already. Wait, what movies are you are you watching? Do you, do you get to pick them, or do they pick them for you? Yeah, I can pick them. I think they have like some suggestions, but I think the idea is just to uh, waste a whole Saturday watching movies. And and are, are you gonna like tweet or yeah, something? Yeah, I'll be I'll be tweeting. Uh, my my uh you know my as i try to endure this uh physical feat <laughs> i will be, i will be tweeting along if you go to at jm mcnab again on twitter that's uh that's my handle so you can follow me there and uh maybe i'll force you rob to to share it on rewatchability share my progress sure, make sure, sure i don't you know hit a wall you know i need i need your encouragement yeah. don't don't overexert yourself jam remember you have kids yeah yeah Keep a steady pace. Use some gels if you need to. Yeah. Powder up. I want one of you to... <laughs> and don't be afraid to pee yourself, you know? You can't go to the bathroom. So just, like, let it go. Yeah, man. Rob, you got this. if you only knew. Yeah. We don't have to talk about <laughs> <That's>... this anymore. <laughs> I'm so interested. Do you know what movies you're going to watch? No, I, I, I'll plan it. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, you no should, theme. you should tease some out or something. Yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like you could do all rewatch, like just, just stock up on all the rewatchable movies that we're going to be doing in the next months, and just get it all out in a one day. <laughs> like do yeah, double get duty. All your work done. Yeah, do double <laughs> yeah, duty. Yeah, that's that seems like too much work. <laughs> <laughs> so figure that out in advance. We do this so like last minute. Also, you know, I do want to say before we get into the show, uh, R.I.P. Charles Grodin. Uh, oh yeah. yeah! Oh my God! We are recording yeah. this shortly after it was announced that he passed. Had uh, you know, we not already decided to do Mulholland Drive, like you know, we probably mm-hmm. would have done Beethoven or Clifford mm-hmm. this week, mm-hmm. or, or one of the. Oh, we got to do Clifford. Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll still do those, but man, he's great, and especially you know when you go back and look at his earlier comedies, like when we grow grew up, we just thought he was the angry dad who hated dogs. <laughs> right. Yeah. But when you go back and watch his work in the 70s and 80s, he is just a, a comic genius. and, and The Heartbreak Kid, so, so good. good. I the love Angry that movie. Dad is where all comedians go later in life. Like, all comedians go to that. Like, Kevin Hart is just doing a movie where that's his... <laughs> he's playing but a dad. But he does now. it the best. I mean, he he pers- he's the personification of Angry Dad. You know, I remember I, I rented the Heartbreak Kid like 10 or 15 years ago. And I remember my wife and I going to the video store and asking at Queen Video. And they were like, <laughs> uh, they had to look it up on the computer. They're like, it says we have it on, on VHS. Do you want that? 
And we're like, sure, because it's not on DVD. So they had to like, right. we had to wait for like 15 minutes while they like went into a basement vault to <laughs> dig out this. <laughs> they just blow the dust off onto you? Like, yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that. Those nerds thought they knew cinema. They didn't know shit. <laughs> That's right. would, would you take a DVD of Clifford instead? <laughs> okay. I would. Well, let's get into the podcast. We're doing Mulholland Drive, David Lynch film. Is bi- okay, wait. Now my name's Philip Legaru. Okay. Let's continue. <laughs> okay. Rob is playing two characters in this podcast. They might actually be the same person. We don't know. Um, so, Rob, I'll go to you first. When did you first see Mulholland Drive? Oh, man. I think I saw it in university. I'm pretty sure that I rented it from the Sound of Moving Images library and, you know, I'd already seen, I think, most of Lost Highway at that point. And I just knew that David Lynch was this dark, crazy filmmaker. And I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew that it was going to be, like, intense. I mean, the guy's last name is Lynch, for Christ's sakes. I mean... <laughs> Nobody nobody nice has that name. Right. It's, you know, I mean, I guess David Lynch. He seems pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it's it's very dark seeming. The fact that he's nice goes against expectations, which is part of what makes him very weird. But I remember being confounded by this movie. I think that I liked it. I mean, I did like it. I was compelled by it. You know, I would go on to see all of the other David Lynch movies, and, you know, mostly in the theaters. I mean, he very quickly became one of my favorite filmmakers because he is just, like, that singular vision. And, you know, I've seen it a few times since then. I still don't know what it's about or what happens. Or, you know, I maybe I'm starting to get, like, an idea now after I've seen it for, like, the fourth time. But uh, It's about Vietnam, yeah, I mean, Rob. It couldn't be clearer. <laughs> I know. Whole allegory there. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I, I love this movie. I love all of David Lynch's movies. I mean, I feel like pretty much everything he does is, like, a work of genius. And, you know, he's just, I mean, he's David Lynch. There are few filmmakers whose names become, like, like a description, like Lynchian, right? right. He is, like, he is like sort of the Salvador Dali of, of like, cinema, of commercial cinema for, for our generation, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I loved him. I loved all of his movies. I can't believe we're actually talking about a David Lynch movie because usually we always talk about, like, you know, some crappy movie with teens in it. Yeah. Or, <laughs> this know, is ridiculous. almost ridiculous. I, I, w- I should say, like, I think we should put a caveat right at the top that this is not going to be a definitive podcast about Mulholland Drive. Like, I, th- what? This is, you know, we do a show where, you know, we're usually talking about, like, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid or some nonsense. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I, I love this movie. You know, I want to talk about this movie. I want to have a conversation about it. But, you know, I, I almost like I almost don't like doing good movies on this show, and now we're doing mm. a movie that is, by and large, considered I mean, a masterpiece. We, it's <laughs> considered one of the best movies of of that decade for sure. I think it's hard to do good movies on this show because we want to make you know we, we want to make light of things and make jokes and and have that. And when you mm-hmm. do a good movie. People are going to get really upset that you made fun of Super Mario Brothers. We're going to have to spend a good 20 minutes making fun of Billy Ray Cyrus if we want to oh, keep the man. jokes up. <laughs> my, I'm, my heart I'm okay is with in that. it. 
your achy breaky that's part. yes exactly. but i guess i i just want to say like i know that you know we're not gonna cinephiles out crack there every gonna... nut yeah like and i gotta no i i have it solved i figured it all out look it's all <laughs> oh, here. No. oh my god <laughs> That that looks like serial killer writing. That's amazing. <laughs> but um, also, like, I I also wanted to say that in terms of like Lynch, like there are whole podcasts like dedicated to Lynch. Like, if mm. if you want to get that, you can you can go you know find that. We're just going to have kind of a conversation, I think, about our own feelings about the movie. I'm just you know mm. I I I'm a big Lynch fan, so I you know I I would get a little defensive about. I I'm worried that this will not be up to snuff. Mm-hmm. But also, you suggested it, Blaine, and you suggested like a handful of movies, and one of them just happened to be one of my favorite movies, and that doesn't happen often. <laughs> so I felt like I should jump at it. Yeah, I mean, this is what's been happening on rewatchability lately. Is we're like, hey, can we watch an okay movie right now? Because <laughs> we just oh, for yeah. sure, I am losing we want that it. escapism. <laughs> yeah, <I'm... laughs> exactly. things are not going well, and I just no. want to watch movies that I like. Toronto's still in a lockdown. We're just like, can we just escape a little bit into not a whole bad movie? I have Um, been accosting the homeless population for tiny blue boxes to escape into. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you finished that sentence. Um, (laughs) Because there's a police report right there. Uh, JM, you're, you're a big David Lynch fan. When did you first see Mulholland Drive? Was it one of the first Lynch films you saw? or It was. I still saw it in the theater. I think it was opening day, too. I mean, it had played wow. a lot. It's actually the 20th anniversary of when it premiered at Cannes. Mm. That's right. That's why we're this doing month. it. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I saw it when it finally opened here in the theater, and I didn't... Yeah, I wasn't like a big Lynch fan yet. I'd seen Lost Highway... And I think that was about it. Maybe I'd seen The Straight Story, too. But, you know, I hadn't seen Blue Velvet. I hadn't seen Twin Peaks yet. That was what really opened the world of Lynch up to me. But I just, you know, I I kind of saw every big movie. And this one was so acclaimed and, you know, won awards at Cannes and and had Mm -hmm. come to uh, TIFF. And, yeah, so I was just excited to go see it. I was trying to think of, like, just some of the regular sort of nonsensical <laughs> sort of peripheral <laughs> details that that are are typical to our conversations about movies, and the only thing I could think about or, or think of was when I, <laughs> I remember going to see this movie in this uh, shitty multiplex that I that I still love this you know old, old theater, and there being an ad at the beginning before the movie had started, like before even the trailers had started, there was an ad for the GameCube. The Nintendo GameCube. Ooh, nice. And and I think that was the first time I'd seen it. It was a big deal. But then, like, later in the movie, when they pull that little blue cube out of <laughs> that's first... It's basically the same yeah, thing. Yeah, that was my first thought. Yeah. I was like, is that the GameCube? Because it looks just like it. Uh... This movie was like The Wizard before the GameCube. Right, yeah. <laughs> you think Naomi Watts is Princess Peach? Oh. No, I, I, I mean, I, I love this movie. I've seen it many times over the years. As recently, it's just a couple of years ago i went to uh the the tiff light box did a had a whole lynch retrospective and i got to go see this movie and a few others and this one was like an old nice. an old beat up 35 mil prints and uh it was fantastic <laughs> but it you know it is different it is different watching the movie even just two years ago watching it theatrically on film and watching it at home it's it's 
even though I was watching it by myself, you know, uh, projected, it was it was a very different experience. But what, what about you, Blaine? You, you suggested this. You must like it. Uh, no, I, I, I didn't. Um, I am not a Lynch fan. Um, I'm not a fan. Wait, of okay, wait. Are you okay? Let's be serious. Now. Yeah. No, I know. It's, wait, are you doing is... a bit? No, uh, no, I'm not. I'm so sorry. Oh my god, yeah. what is happening? Yeah. So I <laughs> is this a dream? So I saw, <laughs> so I saw Twin Peaks when I was younger, and I, I must have seen, seen like an episode. And it it really unsettled me. <laughs> I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't like it. But like, not for the reasons why. Like, you know, there's scary stuff out there. Even just the way it was filmed, the soap opera aspect of it. I just really mm. it didn't appeal to any part of the cinema going Blaine that existed then. Okay, and we've talked about Twin Peaks. Yeah, and I like I'd never really seen it. I'd probably seen like half an episode on TV or whatever. Like, it never really was on my radar. People loved it, and they would talk about it. And Johnny, who's been on this podcast, was like a big proponent of like Blaine. You would see Twin Peaks. It's like, ah, can we I, call Johnny real quick and swap? <laughs> just replace out. me on this on this show. No, there needs to be a counterpoint. Uh, there was a counterpoint on Fifth Element. You sons of bitches! Um, Did you bring this up to get back at us? No, no. no. <laughs> I had no Take idea. Take this, you fuckers! Yeah. Just lobbing this into the conversation. No, I. <laughs> this movie's confusing and stupid. <laughs> and and it's kind of the same the, movie. Justin when, Theroux looks dumb. Kind of the same movie when you think about it. It's just about like a woman with amnesia <laughs> gets taken home by a stranger. Oh my god! <laughs> True. Yeah, she sings. No, there's. Oh my well, god! Yeah, there's You're that right. opera singer. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels. It's yeah. the same thing. Do you think Ruby Rails, Ruby Rhodes, whatever his name is, is the Justin Thoreau? I think so. Yeah. He's Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> oh I think he's Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're figuring it out, it guys. blew my mind. And the little cube, there's only one in this, but that's the fifth element instead of the other four cubes. Um, <laughs> this was my tribute to the fifth element, <laughs> which hadn't been made yet. Had it? Yes, it had. It, yeah, it came but, out a few. Oh, okay. I just love that movie. <laughs> Sorry, I should have warmed up my David Lynch. I impression. saw it in a dream. Um, no, that's even further away. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I have a good David Lynch impression. I'll just do Arnie for David Lynch for the rest of this. So I saw this movie. I was very confused by this movie. I was very bored by this movie when I first saw it. Oh, I was fuck like, you. you. No, I know. Sorry, I know. Sorry. You guys, you guys, no, that's the normal reaction. Everyone's entitled um, to their opinion. <laughs> Right. But yours is yeah. yes. And I don't like uh, you hear anymore. That. Okay. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> this smell. is the beginning of the end. Oh, that was a low blow. You do smell. We've been meaning to talk to you about that. God, even over Zoom, they can tell. Um, but uh, <laughs> there's stink lines on the... <laughs> Just like waves that go up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my background. Why did, you, why did I no, put my I... background on it like that? Well, why for one I thing, I, I, obviously everyone can have their own opinion about movies. And, you know, th- mm-hmm. there, there's a real problem on the internet of people bullying people that don't like yeah. have share their opinion about movies. I, we're just joking. But also, like, I, I'm i a big Lynch fan and I'm not uncritical of Lynch. And I have some <laughs> some yeah. things to say later about <laughs> sure. uh, the making no, no, of the sure. and. And, you know, obviously I've seen a lot of movies since university when really, you know, I want want to start making them. So I watched a lot more and a lot more like art house stuff, which this probably falls into the into the realm of. And so, yeah, this was it was a really great movie for me to watch rewatch because 
I knew that it was so critically acclaimed. I really wanted to rewatch it to give it another shot because I'm not the same person that I was back then. Okay. Uh, but I can... Who, what's your new name? <laughs> I'll be JM from now on. What? Um, oh, yeah, weird. You have to get another name, JM. So, oh, are you Blaine now, JM? <laughs> what a switch. I can't believe you don't like this movie. Yeah, JM, how did you... Um, Wait, so but, why uh, did you suggest it? Because I, I wanted to rewatch it to give it another shot. Because I think that's what you know this this podcast. So you is haven't about. you haven't seen it since no. it came out. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so and I you know got it on DVD. I watched it in my university house that I lived with nine people, like just down the street from where I live now. And everyone left the room. <laughs> I think. And then Johnny lived downstairs, and he was like, "Oh, you watched that? I would I would have seen that." You know, I but will, no one was into it. I, no one was into it. I will say it is a different movie in the theater and i i totally mm, mean that sure. and especially like yeah. having seen it when it first came out and then watching it over the years on dvd and then going to see it in the theater again and then watching it now like it it plays so differently like just in terms of falling into that world like getting swept mm. up in it because yeah. it's you know you you're, you have no choice you're in a, a theater in the dark and you're drawn into that world and there's also like even just like formally like i don't know if you guys saw this in your research but like lynch sent out like a you know like a letter to all the projectionists or you know it was like right. a, a photocopy right. yeah because yeah, he want yeah he wanted it like framed a specific way because it was shot for tv but also like he said crank the volume by like three decibels <laughs> and that was another thing i didn't mention about uh the first time I saw this movie is that scene with the with the homeless jump scare person. Oh my god! Is frightened me like no other movie. Oh my had god. done or has done since. <laughs> there is no scarier scene in any movie. No, and also I'd seen it lots of times, and then when I went to see it in the theater again, I, leading up to that scene, I was like sweating, like I was so nervous. <laughs> I almost left because <laughs> I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> He does. It's almost worse there. when you know what's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. The tension is amazing in that scene for sure. But I think it okay. is different in the theater where it's that loud and that intense and that right. uh, you have to commit that focus to it. Uh, right. You know, not even saying well, like you miss something. I'm just saying in, in terms of like the vibe you get from the movie is a little different. Yeah, and yeah. and you know there there are movies like that. I I did start watching this movie on my phone late at night, like while in bed. Oh, and God. then I, and then I <laughs> on and then I had Rob, to... do you have Johnny's number? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll call. But him. then I Let's then see. I had to stop and rewatch it from the beginning on on my screen at home. You know, but, there's uh, even like that famous video of Lynch being like, "You can't watch a movie on a fucking phone." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> so no, I, I I do get that it would be more involving in the theater, but uh, but let's get into it, Rob. Do you want to do the rundown of this very disconnected film? I don't think I can. Yeah, it's hard. It's uh, there's a lot. I, there's a lot. I mean, we can just do it kind of. No, no, no. I can I can do it. You know, okay. I mean, first of all, if you haven't seen this movie, it is going to get weird. <laughs> so, you know. I think just, you're going uh, to you're going to want to see this follow. movie after this cuz you're going to be like, "What the hell were they talking about?" It it exactly. has to make more sense than that. No, first of all, first of all, everyone has seen this movie. Second of all, this movie makes yeah. perfect sense. It does. It does. I th- okay. I I think that it does. Oh, okay. I mean, 
It starts with about five to six minutes of dancing. That's the stuff that I watched on my phone, and I was like, I, I can stop <laughs> watching now and go to sleep and have nightmares already. <laughs> do, do people dancing and having fun scare you, Blaine? It's the way it was done. All the overlapped and like the... It was pretty creepy. Betty. You're right. It's the creepiest thing in this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then we see a car driving down a dark highway. And also, there's a lot of other images. It's all very surreal as it starts. But eventually, after a very long time, and it, it feels like a very long time, we get into the car with this woman, Laura Herring, in the back, you know, being driven. And the limousine stops. And she says, we're not supposed to stop here. And then... The guys at the front pull a gun on her and order her to get out of the limo. So it seems like they're going to murder this woman. But at that exact moment, some crazy kids are driving down the highway like a maniac. There's like two two vehicles, and they just happen to come around the bend at the same time, and they crash into this vehicle, and it's a big accident. And then... This woman emerges from the wreckage and in a daze begins like getting away from it. And she sort of wanders down into the city and she f- finds herself in this like by, in this like community. And there she sort of sneaks into this person's house just as that person is taking off with all of her bags. And so she just basically hides out there. She doesn't know what's happening, it seems like. She just has an instinct to find somewhere to be safe. Then we have uh, Naomi Watts. She plays Betty, and she is just arriving in Los Angeles, Hollywood, California. And she is just a small-town girl from a uh, little town in Ontario called Deep River. And Rob, aren't you, aren't you has... from Deep River? No, I'm from uh, I'm from a different small oh, okay. town. <laughs> Shallow Grave, they called it. it was... Shallow Grave, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice place. <laughs> but she is just arriving in town, and she is following her big dreams of being a Hollywood actress. I mean, you know, it's a dream, but she has to try. And she's telling, like, the, the two old people that she just happens to be uh, riding with everything. And then they say goodbye. And her, like, face is, like, super washed out by, like, the brightness of this town. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's just everything. And so she goes to her aunt's place where she's going to be staying. And she meets the superintendent, Coco, and it seems like a nice place, a little weird. It's a little bit like, you know, kooky Hollywood, so, you know, but okay. And checks out her aunt's place, and uh, she finds a naked woman in the shower. I mean, to be fair, when you find somebody in the shower, you expect them to be naked. Yes, <laughs> but you true. don't expect... It would be creepier if she was fully clothed in the shower. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Missed but opportunity. She doesn't expect to find this person there. And she's a little bit confounded, like... Oh, my aunt didn't say anything about anybody staying here. And she asked this person her name, and this person doesn't even seem to know. And she just happens to, like, you know, see a poster of Rita Hayworth. And so she says, My name's Shawshank. (laughs) (laughs) Rita. (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, and then there, she, Naomi Watts is like, well, what happened? I mean, she still thinks that she's a friend of his of her aunt. And then like the aunt calls, and there's some confusion there. And you know, we're not really sure what's happening. So, so yeah. that whole thread is like is like them trying to figure out who she is because she kind of admits that she doesn't know who she is. Yeah, that whole thread. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Now there's also a. Um, I mean, there's some sketchy stuff with like weird dudes. Like, first of all, we have the backwards talking guy. He's doing something, and a bunch of people seem to work for him. I mean, the and... backwards talking guy from Twin Peaks. He's not talking backwards in this. No, that's true. Right, yeah. but there aren't many other do- backwards talking guys. So, well, I, it's uh, it's, yeah, okay. it's a guy from Tenet, but that's it. That's... It's Michael Anderson from Twin Peaks, Michael but he's Anderson. he's wearing this like prosthetic body right yeah so it's and and in this kind of like curtained room with like a intercom it's like the brown lodge yeah <laughs> yeah which sounds pretty gross not gonna lie <laughs> oh yeah where are you staying Better oh, name for that. <laughs> i'm tucked up in the brown lodge <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to go there yeah the tapioca lodge <laughs> Um, yeah and yeah they are trying to get this movie director played by justin thoreau uh, in a pair of glasses to put this (laughs) woman in his movie (laughs) and also he his hair is like is like gelled back you know yeah yeah he kind of looks like do you you guys remember the canadian idol guy Ryan Ryan Malcolm is that his name? Yes. I think so. Oh, yeah. He opened for my band once. That guy. Whoa! And that yeah. j- how was he? I think he was fine. But it just made me think, like, <laughs> how the mighty have fallen, how the semi mighty have fallen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there's a reason Justin throws hairs like that. So, you know, I'll tell you that the- later on in the behind the scenes. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, he doesn't want to put this actress that they want him to put in the movie in the movie and it's a great scene like there's these two big guys and one of them is dan hedaya and one of the guys orders an espresso well, you, know who, and you know who the other guy is right i do it's uh angelo battle yeah. the uh, composer <laughs> so he's he's intimidating he's oh, great man. yeah you don't want to mess with him yeah, well, they insist on putting this person in the movie, and uh, it seems like it'd be a bad idea to not do it. And um, I think that guy just doesn't like espresso, because when it's brought to him, he just spits it out. And that guy's like, it's the best espresso in the world. <laughs> I love I that. I think he just keeps on trying to find a good espresso, and is like, I think they all taste like this. <laughs> it's funny that he's not an actor, because he's, he's like, so good in it. Like, yeah, he's just like, funny. napkin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a highly recognized... That is considered one of the finest espressos in the world, What is going on here? There is no way that girl is in my mouth. This is the girl. Hey, that girl is not in my film. It's no longer your film. Well, David Lynch is great at getting... Good performance. Oh, totally. And you know what's weird? Uh, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but this whole storyline with Justin Thoreau being bullied by these shadowy, otherworldly kind of mobster guys into casting an actress in the movie that he doesn't want to cast, 
the well the actress is called camilla rhodes and in this this sort of portion of the movie she's played by melissa george who mm-hmm. is currently starring with justin thoreau yeah. in the mosquito coast what? which i just yeah. watched like the first two episodes of the other day oh uh, i just watched the first, it's pretty good i'm liking it it's okay but it's just okay. it's just weird that I I I watched that and I was like yeah. oh, I'm gonna watch another Justin Theroux movie and then forgetting that she played that character. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. yeah. There's all these like bit char- like bit parts for major actors in this movie. I I, I loved it was kind of like you know uh, stargazing, just spotting everyone. Oh there. yeah, absolutely. Because there's also a scene. Keep in mind, I just watched Lost. Where Jacob from Lost randomly like kills a guy, yeah, and then in order because somebody this he accidentally shoots through the wall and hits this woman and it doesn't kill her, so he has to like something bit me good, (laughs) so good. That actress is uh, she's not an I don't know if she's an actress, but she's she is she's in a movie. She's so good. She's amazing. She's yeah. great. That whole scene then, is hilarious. Not just because it's Jacob from Lost, but like, yeah, that he has to keep like. <laughs> it feels so Coen Brothers esque. Like it just like totally. Mm-hmm. And he's like thinking on his feet, like, "Hey, buddy, you have to help me with her. Like, come into the room. Like, help me." <laughs> I, I just love that whole scene. It was so brilliant. Oh yeah, do you guys did you guys see who that uh, the guy with the vacuum cleaner is? Do you know who that no. is? No. Apparently, it's Michael J. Fox's stunt double from Back to the Future. <laughs> of course, I don't know why I didn't notice that. Yeah, I well, mean, he looks exactly like Marty McFly. Come on, everyone should have known that. Just, just Doc? looking at him, just looking at him. You know, um, I just, I just found that random. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that was, was pretty great. random. Yeah, he should have hoverboarded right out of there. <laughs> and then there's those. Did we talk about the two guys in the in the diner? See the. Well, I mean, we referenced, we referenced them, but it, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the guy, it's that guy who's in everything. Yeah. Uh, Patrick <laughs> yeah. Fischler, is that his name? That's his Patrick name, Fischler, yeah. yeah. And he just basically, he's talking to a guy, and he says, I had this terrible nightmare where I saw something out back, and I saw the most terrifying face that I'd ever seen, and I just never want to see that face again. And the guy's like, all right, let's go out back. And then he's like, "Oh man!" And then there's just like the sweat on this guy on on Fischler's face, and just like the tension. He looks like he's, you know, gonna choke. And uh, then we see the most horrifying face ever on on celluloid or whatever. And uh, I think Patrick Fischler dies. Yeah, <laughs> he just like dies. the actual actor. He died that day. He died. Yeah. Luckily, they he'd had already filmed him. all of those iconic performances well in advance. <laughs> yeah, Mad right. Men and Lost. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's just, it's an amazing scene. It, and uh, and the, it's crazy. The, the character, I, I mean, I, I feel bad saying this, but it's what the character is, is credited as bum, which is mm, yeah. not the most sensitive way of, you know, describing. No. I mean, uh, let's just put it out there. David Lynch hates homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps putting the, the, the yeah. he them actual very monsters. Terrified. Is that why you're a fan, JM? Because you accost homeless people? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, uh, but uh, th- this uh, bum character is played by Bonnie Ahrens. Who do you recognize? Okay. Her guys? No, no. She is also she, she sings totally Eclipse of the Heart. No, I didn't recognize her as female. Well, she's in lots of stuff, but she <laughs> plays. She plays the nun in the Conjuring movies. Oh uh, yeah, Conjuring oh, okay. two, and then the nun movie. 
And yeah, she's. I remember reading an interview with her years ago where she talked about being in Mulholland Drive and just meeting David Lynch and being like, "Wow, he's he's hot." <laughs> it's just <laughs> so fun. it was so funny to me. Like the scene was so scary as a kid, just thinking like, "Wow, the, the <laughs> she's that, just like I want to yeah, bone that him. character was like into uh, into the director." Oh it's, man, can you imagine that? Like when that, those were her sexy bedroom eyes. <laughs> yeah, like that's what I'm imagining. Like him giving her direction and and her being like, "Okay, but like give me more direct." Like flirting with him in that get up, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like, you're a monster. She's like, oh, stop. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and then and then we get more of like that kind of main storyline mm-hmm. where she sh- even shows up to the Justin Theroux's movie that he's casting. Um, well, she is auditioning because she wants yeah. to be this actress, and her aunt got her an audition w- for this movie. And you know, we see her rehearse it with Rita. And it's it's fine, you know. It seems like it's good. And then she goes in and does the audition. And I mean, there's it's a very creepy situation. There's all these like you know very paternal old men, and they're like treating her like a little child. And like the old guy has like her hand, his hand on like Naomi Watts's like the small of her back, sort of like leading her. It's all very creepy. And then she has to do this like scene. But he, she also pushes with, it against like he kind of like she, is like. You know, has no, his that, hand in, in the during air. the scene, but like yeah. the I think that yeah, was before, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, she the the actor wants to play it real close, right? Like wants it to be very hot, right? And you sort of get like the idea that this is like a little bit of like a thrill for all of the men. Yeah, and he's like right? really old and like really tan. Like yeah, like the that the way he whitened his teeth was by getting a darker tan. Like you can right. just tell that's <laughs> yeah. that's what he did. Yeah, it's creepy. But then she like leans into it and it's, she nails it. It's I like mean, a performance it's phenomenal that, that, that probably landed Naomi Watts the rest of the movies in her career. Like it's it's such a great performance that she does in that scene. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. You're playing a dangerous game here. If you're trying to blackmail me, it's not going to work. You know what I want. It's not that difficult. Get out. Get out before I call my dad. He trusts you. You're his Well, it's also like, you know, this is, you know, obvious, but like this adds to like the surreal surreality of the whole thing because it's the, the rest of her performance as Betty in this part of the movie is very like over the top and like gee whiz and, you know, like yeah. a character in the 50s or something. And then like the, the realest moment we spend with her at this point is in a scene where she's pretending and we're right know, where she's yeah, playing yeah. a fictional character yeah that's a good point and it's also a really creepy scene like it doesn't say exactly what it is but it seems like maybe naomi watts is playing a character who is underage mm-hmm. and who is having like some sort of like yeah. relationship with this older guy and you know there's talk about you know he'll get in trouble if anybody hears about it right yeah um, no it's 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 creepsville all, all around <laughs> but there is a cool casting director who is a lady, and uh, she is not as creepy as those guys. And she sees what a great job Naomi Watts does and wants to get her into uh, audition for this other movie. Mm-hmm. So they're going to bring her over to the set, and this is where Adam, Justin Theroux's character, is 
you know, doing the auditions. And and at first he didn't want to do it. And he actually like went a little bit crazy with a golf club on the uh on the guy's limousine. But after speaking to a cowboy, stay with me here. <laughs> <laughs> He he is convinced to cast the actress that they want, and that's the big problem. Like they they shut down the movie, they fired all the people, and then they sort of like put him. They sort of made him go on the run. Like yeah. they canceled all his credit cards, they took all the money out of his bank account somehow. They he goes to a hotel, and the guy just tells him it's not safe for you here. You basically have to go. So he basically has no choice, and the cowboys like. How many drivers does a boogie have? <laughs> and then Justin throws like uh, one, I think. And then there's sometimes there's a guy beside that, but that's shock. Okay, okay I, one, one. This scene is amazing, though. I love this scene. <laughs> it's so it's good. so great. It's so eerie. I mean, it's uh, you know one thing I think that uh, is partly what made this movie so accessible in terms of like the the lynchy weirdness of it all is the fact that you have a character like the justin through character right who he's knows that it's weird yeah like he's yeah. reacting like you mm. would if you were thrown into a david lynch like he knows that it's weird that he's going to see a guy called the cowboy who acts like the cowboy <laughs> and that's great and the, the, this whole scene is so creepy and so weird that guy who plays the cowboy, Monty Montgomery, is not an actor. He's a producer. Like he produced Wild at Heart, and David Lynch just oh my God. forced him to be in this scene. Like he didn't even want to do it, and he insisted that he come do it. He didn't even know his lines. They had to tape his lines onto Justin Thoreau, so he's reading it all kind of like weirdly and kind of stiffly because yeah, because he's just how many yeah. Drivers. And everyone was like, what? The, this is fucking crazy. Like, what? And then you see it in the context, and it's perfect. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> Man's attitude goes some ways, the way his life will be. Is that something you might agree with? Sure. Now, did you answer because that's what you thought I wanted to hear? Or did you think about what I said and answer because you truly believe that to be right? I agree with what you said. Truly. What'd I say? That a man's attitude determines to a large extent how his life will be. So since you agree, you must be a person who does not care about the good life. <laughs> oh, it's so... It's... Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy good. I mean... Yeah, everything in this movie, there's so many moments of, like, sublimeness, of sublimity that in this film. Like, that is one of them. Like, that scene, just so much weirdness. And also the Club Silencio thing. It's all, I mean, that's what David Lynch is so good at. Um, but so she doesn't end up auditioning for this movie, but we do see him sort of accept that this person, you know, the, uh, the per what's her name? Who? The the actress that they want to get in the movie. Betty? Oh, Camilla Rhodes? Yeah, the, he, he accepts the Camilla Rhodes person, and so he's going to do this movie. But this is where it gets weird. This is, because... this is where it gets weird. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. There's going to be more dancing. No, there's not more dancing. <laughs> but, well, I mean, she... Uh, Rita starts to have some sort of memories of her thing. Some memories start to appear. So 
She remembers Mulholland's. They go and check out Mulholland. She remembers the name Diane Sel- yeah. something. They phone Selwyn. her. Yeah. Yeah, and they, you know, she's not there, so they go and visit her, and they can't find her, but the, you know, somebody lets her into the apartment, and so they go up there. They break into the apartment. Yeah, and they find her dead. They find her dead. They find her body lying in bed. Yeah. She's very, very dead, and that's not that's not cool. And also, there's like a whole bunch of money in Rita's purse. Forgot to mention that, and a blue key that right. is really weird looking and yeah but so they go home and they uh they get a little bit uh well they get a little bit intimate i mean they are staying together and uh Naomi Watts invites Rita to sleep in the bed instead of the couch and they're saying good night and they kiss and then they uh, they have some they have some intimacy intimacy some, some yeah and, intimate uh, time and then some sexy <laughs> sexy times and then she and, wakes uh, up oh okay you you want you wanted to hang on this moment I'm sorry well I don't know should we talk about it is it like is it noteworthy I mean it was noteworthy to critics at the time they were saying how this was like the best lesbian relationship ever put to film uh, which. At that time, might have been true. Um, <laughs> it's uh, if you just like ignored like all of LGBT cinema. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that came out in the eighties and nineties and stuff, and even before that, there. Were, anyway, but yeah, I think I think people were looking into this as a as kind of a the guiding star of all LGBTQ cinema. Where I don't I don't know if that's. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it's that case. I mean, um, I, I mean, I think it. I think it is necessary to the story, and I or not maybe not necessary to the story. Necessary for Lynch's purposes because mm-hmm. I mean we're going to talk about this a lot later. But like, obviously this was or not obviously, but famously this was a TV pilot, and right. We'll talk about this maybe a little more in the behind the scenes stuff. But like, this was a TV pilot that was uh, you know completed as a movie, and they filmed new stuff for the movie obviously this being one of those scenes and i think that like when lynch had his idea of how it should end and where the story should go and have it kind of focusing on this as a romantic relationship but he had you know two hours of of story up till then (laughs) where they're not romantic where they're just friends like they're they're close mm-hmm. friends or they have a budding friendship in the pilot but they're not uh you know uh, there's nothing romantic going on so i think he realized that he he had this place where he wanted to go and he had all of this leading up to it and he needed something to connect those two and so to have one scene pull that off it needed to be something graphic and potent and romantic and powerful mm-hmm. and i think he you know, probably pulled it off gauging from how everyone has reacted to it over the years. But like, I think that's why the scene is so like, it's kind of sudden. And yeah, like we said, like it's, it doesn't, you know, it, it, it goes, it goes straight to it. Like it doesn't, Mm -hmm. doesn't take its time really. And, and it does have, you know, I mean, in a lesser filmmaker's hands, like it probably would have been criticized as being exploitative. I mean, we could have that conversation anyways, because, you know, Lynch certainly isn't immune from 
from those criticisms, I don't think. But I think I think it mostly pulls it off. But I think it was out of necessity. I think it was like, we need something big here to propel us to this place where I want the story to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it feels a little bit male gazy, And I think that like a lot of times in David Lynch's movies, he does present women as various like archetypes as you know representing various things to various people but he's also like playing with that and sort of he he always like he always counter counter counteracts that like for example like if you're talking about twin peaks like laura palmer you know could be such a problematic character and you know there are lots of ways to talk about how it is but he also like she remains the focus of the series through the entire through the entire thing yeah. like and the so movie much, like care for the character and the movie and like you know the return like it's all about her and it all goes back to like to her you know and, and you know so i think that i don't know like i you know, i think that he plays i think that he plays with it and you know it does sort of go it, it sort of veers into like maybe like it's a little bit exploitative a little bit male gazy but also like it is really potent, and it's a really powerful performance by both of those actors as well. There was one kind of gross <laughs> detail that Laura Herring, and you know, she speaks super highly of him, and and everyone you know who works with him loves him. Are you talking about the touch breasts more? Are you talking about? No, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Oh well, it definitely seems like he says that. It's like he's very Lynch is definitely a breast man. Let's well, put it that way. Yeah, Herring said that in her trailer she was shaking, crying, like very, very afraid of doing this scene. And then when she did it, you know, it, it, the last take, the director Lynch coming up to her and being like, "You should probably touch her breasts a lot more." And then they used that take, and it just, <laughs> it just spoke. I mean, I don't think that there was anything nefarious going on, but it just spoke to the fact that there's, it's such a good thing there's intimacy people on sets now like to handle that stuff because it's it's uh, right. it's hard it's hard for actors to, well, to do the, and to go through the thing i was referring to was that she said like yeah she was super nervous and also like it's a hard position to be in because like they made this tv pilot and yeah. then they basically mm-hmm. came to them and said you know we're turning it into a movie but now there's all this nudity and it's like do you you know give up the chance to have like your work actually seen and come to fruition or, you know, it's, it, but whatever. But like, uh, yeah, the story she told was that she was super nervous to do that scene. And, uh, and Lynch was like, don't worry. Like the set's going to be really dark. And she's like, okay. And then they like filmed a few takes and then he like yells to like the lighting guy, like pump it up. (laughs) And they like, you know, made it like way brighter all of a sudden. Right. Uh, But I mean, he also did things like, uh, she said that like he, he kind of like, blurred her pubic region for like the dvd and stuff because you know he didn't he said he wouldn't show that or you know he he did do some okay things like that to make it more comfortable but there were some stories about that the other thing like you know maybe we'll get to when we talk about it but like the masturbation scene that naomi watts has Mm -hmm. to do like that she was actually like really angry about the way that was filmed right but I, I I mean, still speaks of him reverently and, and loves him. But, yeah. You know. Says they're good friends. Okay. So Naomi Watts turns into Diane. Well, first they, they go to the club and there's They go to the Silencio. They get the right. box. They put the, the, they get the game box. thing. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. start playing the GameCube. Super Smash yeah, and- Brothers. It's great. <laughs> 
during the Club Silencio performance, Naomi Watts sort of goes into some sort of like seizure or mm. like something. She's yeah. shaking and, you know, having an experience. And she also said something to like to Rita about like, let me do this for you um, or something like that. But anyway, so then she wakes up as this other person and you sort of see this other story. And it's sort of unclear when it's happening. Mm-hmm. But in it, her and Rita are also lovers. So it, it parallels the other sort of the other timeline. But... Rita's character, who we find out is Camille, Camille, Camille. They say Camille. I I said Camilla, but it's and uh, but she is breaking off the relationship. She doesn't want to fool around anymore, and you know she is getting in with Adam, the film director, and she's in this movie. You know, as we've seen, she's been cast and all that. And we forgot to talk uh, about Billy Ray Cyrus. I can't. We'll get to oh, him. Fuck. Oh my god! But it happened like we'll get an hour ago in the movie. <laughs> okay. So Adam goes over to find out that Billy Ray has replaced him as the man of the household. The pool boy yeah. is now with his his wife, and now he has <laughs> an achy, yeah. breaky. I'm not going to finish yeah. that joke. <laughs> okay, sorry. They really came in like a wrecking ball, a home wrecking ball. But that was apparently Lynch just like heard him on the radio or something. It was like, that guy should play Gene the Pool guy. <laughs> this song's catchy. Yeah. <laughs> Put him in there. Yeah, so then, the, yeah, sucked in this next world, and um, and we see that their kind of like relationship is disintegrating, right? Yeah, and, you know, it seems like, it seems like Camilla is still sort of like leading her along. Like, you know, they... They had like this Ugh. sexual or romantic relationship. She invites and, you to know, that party. Like, why? Invites her to this party and all this stuff. And it's driving, it's driving Diane a little, uh, Diane a little crazy. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's really upsetting her. She's like crying. So she talks to Jacob from Lost, yeah. and it seems like she's going to put out a hit on on this person. And when it happens, then there'll be a blue key on her coffee table. And so then she sees this blue key and she's really sad. And then the two, the old what people. A, what about A minor? Be- That's a blue key. <laughs> <laughs> and then the old people who Naomi Watts showed up in uh, L.A. with, very tiny versions of them pop out of the GameCube. And then they sort of like scurry, 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 under the scurry, door, under the door, and then they become full size somehow. Yeah. But then they like they probably the got water on them or eight after midnight. <laughs> I, I went for Ant Man. Okay. Yours is better. Yours is better. <laughs> they chase Diana, and she can only escape by going into the bedroom and shooting herself and committing suicide. And then she's the body in the bed. That the neighbor discovers. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it ends. Yeah. That's the end of the you movie. Know, there's uh, the uh, the blue-haired woman at the club. Oh, that's right. She says, yes, the blue-haired woman at the club says, Silencio. Yeah. And we will soon be Silencio after, <laughs> after we come back from, uh, from this break. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We're talking about the easily understood and and much maligned Mulholland Drive. It's not Drive. maligned by anybody. It's, people uh, say no, it's the no, best I, film of the 21st century. You're the maligner. Guys, I said I said easily understood before that. It was all sarcastic. Oh, okay. All right. Um, you know who? So I, I, I did want to say, you know who that blue-haired woman at the end is in Club Silencio? Marge Simpson? No, it, she's the script supervisor. <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, when they were, they were filming in that theater and Lynch just had this idea and he ran up to someone and said, like, how quickly can you get a blue wig? <laughs> And and convinced her to to do it, even though she's not. It'd be great actress. if she just pulled one out of her back pocket, like blue wig, right now. That's how fast I can get a blue. Well, wig. I okay, mean, um, it works with Twin Peaks, just putting crew members in key roles. Yeah. Right. It was Bob a crew member? Yeah. Is that like he was? Guy? Yeah. Yeah. Same also, if you bump. want to become an actor, just be in a David Lynch. Pretty crew. much. Yeah. Get on set. <laughs> um, work. Boom. Okay. So, question number one. What movies constitute David Lynch's Los Angeles trilogy? What? Well, Inland Empire. Okay. This one. Yeah. Lost Highway, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Okay, question two. In this movie, we're told that Aunt Ruth is making a movie in Canada. What alternate meaning does this phrase have in Hollywood? Oh, is she drying out? Close. Her dead? Yeah. Dead. The death of a career, which is drying out, which is um, oh. not. I mean, I guess not drying out, but uh, <laughs> well, that's yeah. Some people have like theori- theorized that Anne Ruth is is dead if she exists. Yeah, somewhere. exactly. But mm, uh, that's tricky. That's what Hollywood thinks of the Canadian film system. So good, good on Hollywood. And then question number three: Which actor? was self-described doing so badly in their career in 1998 that it was actor in this film that they were not only were not a voice in this movie but only credited as an additional voice with no name in Babe Pig in the City. Wait. What? What? Which actor in this movie was they they said they were doing so bad in their career they couldn't get a job and the only job they could get was being an additional voice on Babe, Pig in the City. I'm going to guess Naomi Watts because she's Australian. Yeah. She, I know she yeah. was also having a hard time. Yeah, she was. Uh, it was Naomi Watts. She was saying, I wasn't getting put in parts. I was giving myself away. My soul was being destroyed. David changed that. He was truly interested, took the time to unravel layers. So Naomi Watts is like super interesting um she's great she's so so great she's really she's really good she didn't get her break in this movie till she was 32 so she like hadn't she wasn't even going to audition for this she had flown out to la for a movie role the year before where 
literally the casting director and the director in the room fell asleep during her audition. <laughs> so she was like, I'm not going to fly out to, to L.A. for this goddamn David Lynch movie where he's not going to cast me anyway. And then she was told by her agent that David Lynch saw her headshot and had picked her out. And she was the only one auditioning for this. So she was like, oh, okay, I'll go for that. Um, <laughs> she, David Lynch's casting style seems to be like, I saw a pretty girl, yeah. <laughs> and I think she would be a fantastic well, actress. Well, he also, yeah. like, he said he was disappointed when he met her because, like, she wasn't wearing makeup. And so she she had to audition again wearing makeup, so she looked more like the picture that he saw that he liked. God, and the pi- and 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 she the picture that that he saw that was taken she credits her brother getting kind of getting her role because the the brother took the photograph and david lynch was like there's something about your eyes in that photograph and when you zoom in on the photograph you can see her brother taking the picture so she was like there's oh, someone weird. in my eyes well, that's I, what I thought you were going to say you see bob her brother charlie watts oh. <laughs> it was just bob yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. well I, yeah i've oh, seen that God. picture it just looks like uh, yeah like a ordinary snapshot yeah it doesn't yeah it's not crazy well i um, the, the other thing uh, about that and lynch's style is he doesn't audition people with scripts they don't come in right. and, and read mm. scenes he literally just talks to people and which is kind of you might think is insane but like i mean look at how that helped <laughs> with this project because if yeah. he had auditioned people who were just perfect for the betty part you know, a year or two later when you're completely overhauling the reality of your script and have the Diane character, which is, you know, a complete 180. Like if you're kind yeah. of locked into someone that's this whole other character type, th- that might not have worked. But, you know, obviously he saw something in Naomi Watts and, you know, wanted to work with her and she obviously nails it. I mean, she's amazing in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. she is amazing. Yeah, and oh, she yeah. and she hated the Betty character. She was like, it's so flat and one-dimensional. I hated playing it. Um, and it wasn't until yeah, like it became fair. a film, as we as as you said, JM. This was an ABC pilot that uh, <laughs> that uh, Lynch, <laughs> ABC that, come on that Lynch filmed, and then one exec saw it and was like, no one else watched this. It's trash, and they threw it out. And he said the exec who saw it watched it at six a.m. having coffee, standing up. Which apparently is the bad way to watch it. I don't know. Yeah, but that was like the detail. I've seen him that say that gave. in multiple interviews. He's like, and the guy, the guy watched it before he'd had breakfast. It was six a.m. He's standing up. He's taking phone calls across the room. <laughs> like he, I mean, he doesn't know all of this. Like he, he probably heard it's the just, guy watch it in the morning and extrapolated. Uh, yeah, exactly. Can you imagine this being for like network television? And there's like. The diner scene with the scary uh, homeless person, and then it cuts to a Burger King commercial. I've seen it. Have you guys watched it? David Lynch hates that version. He's like, "Don't see it." Well, it's it's awful. He especially hates it because he shot like two hours or so. Like basically, the first two hours of the movie are the pilot. Mm -hmm. But then, like the version that's online, the version he cut for ABC was ninety minutes. So the 90 minute version that you can find online, that's like the same like VHS rip that he like gave to, uh, you know, the the network or whatever is, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's weird to watch because it feels (laughs) like uh, a TV show. The, I don't think the scene in the diner is in there. It was filmed for that. It was probably in the two hour version. It's not in the uh, 90 minute version. I don't think, but like the scene Mm. with the like, homeless character like holding the cube as i think the last moment in the pilot um okay but there's also like there's weird there's 
there's weird differences between the pilot and the finished version, uh, especially in terms of like music. Like I remember in the audition scene where it's like her and the guy and it's like really intense and, you know, realistic when it gets that intimate moment. I remember like the, the score comes in in the pilot, whereas in the mm. movie, I think they play it totally, you know, in, in with no score and it, and it's more powerful in the theater. You know, I, I don't know if it would have worked on television, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's an interesting to watch. And there are a few scenes in the pilot that aren't in, uh, in the movie. Like there's another scene with uh, Robert Forster and his detective pal. There's like a scene with like uh, Justin Theroux's buddy who he's going to like crash right. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to watch, uh, but uh, cool. yeah, it's not great. Yeah. So there are 10 clues David Lynch gave to European audiences when he thought it was just going to be released as a movie in, in, in Europe with Canal Plus's 7 million funding to make it a movie. Oh, actually, before, you... sorry, before we get to the clues, I do just want to say something quickly about the, the transitioning of the pilot to a movie because it is an insane story. And the thing that I find so funny about it is what we everybody kind of heralds as being like, you know, what makes Mulholland Drive a great movie is this sort of like reality busting, you know, you know, the switch between the Betty character, the Diane character, like the blurring of mm-hmm. dreams and reality. And, you know, it seems like both are dreams to some people and reality to others and not to other people and, and other parts of it. But, but the, you know, that whole kind of twist or change or development is what makes this movie part of what makes this movie so great. And that was because of the behind the scenes story of this movie. So it was this pilot Lynch kind of just left it behind his friend at uh, what was the studio studio canal or whatever. Canal Plus in French. Yeah. He came to him and said, like, let's turn it into a movie. And that was a whole process. And uh, basically, they ironed out all the details. Got, you know, they had to, like, pay Disney all this money for the pilot. They had to organize all these deals for the actors. And because, you know, they were paid different rates for TV than they would have for a film. They got it all kind of ready. And then Lynch found out that <laughs> ABC had. Th- thrown out all the sets the sets had been destroyed (laughs) and all the props and costumes had just been kind of like reintegrated into the studio system so they couldn't track them down and so lynch didn't want to do it anymore and he didn't even have an idea for how to finish it but he knew he couldn't do it without the props and the costumes and then basically the guy who had developed the project with him who had kind of had a falling out with him persuaded you know was so upset that lynch was flaking out on it after they'd done all this work convinced disney to threaten to sue lynch if he backed out of making <laughs> mahal and drive because they had this deal in place to like buy the pilot for like you know four five million or whatever it was so he got disney to threaten to sue him so lynch was f- basically forced to do this by the walt disney company i mean he credits uh, he says it was like the mouse cracked yeah. the whip <laughs> which inadvertently gave us this great movie i mean lynch said like he came up with how to finish it through you know obviously through meditating which is his you know creative (laughs) process but i think it's really funny that this like artistic genius flourish of of you know switching realities is is what we love about this movie but 
it's what a guy had to do to figure out how how, how do I finish this story <laughs> when all of the sets and costumes are have been thrown out and if I don't make it I will be sued by one of the most powerful corporations on earth. I think that's kind of amazing. That's a pretty great story. Yeah, yeah. That's, but, that's, yeah, that's and amazing. it all works. It all like fits like the what he did to to solve that problem is is amazing and I I don't fault it, but I, I think it's hilarious that that is the reason why we we got Ma- the the Mulholland Drive that we know. Wow, it's it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing that like one of the most amazing movies of cinema history started out as a TV show on ABC, <laughs> yeah, and then it was just sort of like yeah, it was just sort of finished because he had to. <laughs> it's that's amazing. It's like if somebody forced somebody to finish like Citizen Kane. It's like Orson Welles just like done with it. Yeah. It's like come on, just finish it up. And man. there, there put are a, put a sled in it. It's fine. The sled's rosebud. Yeah, just put a sled in it. Just do it. People do uh, tend to think that it began as a spinoff of uh, Twin Peaks. Uh, about that's what uh, Charlotte Fenn said. Yeah, th- that's I, not actually true. It was just yeah. the name Mulholland Drive was going to be used for a spinoff about the Audrey character. Mm-hmm. So coming to Hollywood. So uh, yeah, that makes it sense. wasn't actually the same story. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap up here real quick, but there are ten clues that David Lynch. Oh yeah. Gave. I've got them right here. Kind of- this oh, look at that on the DVD. Better. We're not going to read through them or anything. We'll leave that to you. But people online have said that all these kind of clues point towards the whole beginning. And, and tell me if I'm getting this right. The whole beginning of this movie, the two hours that were kind of filmed for the pilot, being a dream that, that Naomi Watts' character in that alternate reality is having. Um, so she's getting kind of she kills her lover and then kills herself and in that flash before she dies she has this whole kind of alternate life that she lives where she has everything and and uh, that she wants and she becomes the actress and everything even Justin Thoreau the director is made to give her like all these things uh, are, are are kind of set in place for her I mean I think this. that's the more mm. obvious kind of <clears throat> interpretation i mean you even see like you know there's the shot of the pillow at the beginning before the movie even starts i mean you can read it that way i think it's what i think is more interesting is the fact that like both realities seem more real uh, than the other for different reasons i mean like the the sort of what you in that interpretation you take as the dream seems more real because that was the pilot. Like that was the story. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. so, and then Mm -hmm. the way that Lynch films, you know, what would quote unquote be the real part is much more dreamlike. It's much more rushed and has all these strange transitions. So I, I I don't, I, I think, yeah, that's, that's on the right track, but I don't think it's that cut and dried. Yeah. Okay. And and that was, this list of clues was something that the studio asked him to do. And he was kind of like, I don't really like doing that, but I'll put some vague things in. (laughs) Yeah. And I, even Naomi Watts and and Justin Thoreau both, both said in different ways that, you know, Lynchian film is meant to be dissected and, and, um, and enjoyed and, and come to different conclusions for each individual viewer. You know, it's not, uh, it's not like one thing that he's trying to get across because even in that mm-hmm. there's there's things that go against it you know uh, like you know the bible if you read that there's all these things and then they contradict each other and i feel like there's a lot of contradictions in this movie which almost 
you know, uh, negate trying to figure it out in a way. But it does, you know, it does. It's better than it the does Bible. answer <laughs> more questions than even like you would expect necessarily. Than lost. Yeah. yeah. Like Jacob answers more questions than, well, like, because I mean, like, this part of the lost there's a mysterious universe? blue key and then they spell out the blue key for us. You know, there's a purse mm-hmm. full of money. We have a purse full of money mirror. Like, I mean, that kind of call and mm-hmm. response between clues, I think, is like mm-hmm. pretty, um, pretty specific. And I like that. Yeah. yeah. In a lot of ways, it's very straightforward. Yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. It's like the most straightforward of any of David Lynch's. <laughs> well, anything. maybe that's why it, it got such such large attention because it was the mo- one of the more accessible David Lynch movies out there. But let's go around and say if we found it rewatchable. Rob, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he loves it, folks. I it's I I would rewatch it again anytime. It's an amazing film. I think it's like a cinematic achievement. David Lynch, he is a genius, you know. He makes it work. And, like, you can be critical of him. He is a ridiculous person. (laughs) He does have his, like, he has his favorite themes and tropes. He loves, like, stuff from the 50s. He's, 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 he sort of, like, is half, like, stuck in this ideal, you know, of the 50s, which is very, like, you know, the family, you know, uh, the patriarchy, Mm -hmm. you know, women are pretty, men, you know, are tough. And all of that stuff. But then also, like, he shows us the dark side of that so well. And, I mean, his movies are just amazing. And this one is a masterpiece. It's a fucking masterpiece. And this guy has made probably, like, four or five masterpieces. (laughs) Dune. (laughs) (laughs) To start with. No. But seriously, I mean, like, this is an amazing film. Like, there's no... You could rewatch this a thousand times. I think there would still be great stuff to find in it. You would still have like a, an amazing experience. It's it it's so experiential. Mm-hmm. It's he, you know he's the guy who makes cinema so exciting. You know for I think a lot of people because he really plays with the conventions and everything, and he makes everything like inexplicably wondrous, you know, and also frightening. Yeah, I Very mean, it's terrifying. And, uh, I'm so glad I, I picked this, Rob. I did, uh, this is so great. I didn't know how much you loved this movie. That's amazing. And it's also funny. Like, I think that's also what, like, spoke to me as, like, yeah. a 14-year-old yeah. or whatever. Like, it's it's a very funny movie. Like, he's got a good sense of humor. All of his movies have something comedic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's hilarious. I mean, yeah, he's he's such a character. I mean, David Lynch is a character, and I love the character of David Lynch. So totally rewatchable. All right. One of the most rewatchable movies. Uh, Jam, I think I know what you're going to say, but say it. I, yeah, I love this movie, obviously. I, yeah, I am a Lynch fan. I mean, like I said before, like I'm not, <laughs> not going to not criticize him if I feel like it. I mean, I was also watching this movie thinking a lot about directors and like on-set working environments i think partly because i'm writing an article right now about james cameron a couple of articles Mm. actually oh god and i was reading a lot about yeah like his work on the abyss and like titanic and just like how you know he treats like movie sets like a war and like he'll say Mm -hmm. that and he's Mm -hmm. just screaming at people and it's awful and everyone's you know unhappy whereas lynch like it seems like he you know he works a lot with the same actors and he seems to just have like a great vibe and everyone he's got this air about him like 
he uh you know just women adore him and uh right and men just want to like if either adore him or just want to like hang out with him like i mean there's something magnetic about him. he's like a guru or something he is uh he's but he's not beyond you know like yeah like the the scene with where he's filming the masturbation scene like naomi watts kept asking to like cut and he wouldn't and uh Mm. and she was really uncomfortable but like he was wanted to use that discomfort i mean that you know that's those kind of stories i think are few and far between and again like she was you know their friends and like Mm -hmm. there's an interview on the dvd where they you know talk about that story together in the same room and you know i i think the 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 conversation about like how he uses women in his movie and specifically violence against women, that conversation has happened a few times. Like I remember when lost highway came out, that was talked about a lot. And when twin peaks, the return came out, that was talked about a lot because there is a lot of sexual violence in that show. Like, especially right, you know, right at the Mm -hmm. beginning of that show. I mean, I ultimately came to love it, but I think right off the bat, I was certainly put off by by some of the treatment of the female characters. Not that he's condoning it, but like he certainly utilizes that story a lot. And yeah, and sometimes it's very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, I do love him. I do love being taken to these worlds that he creates always. I I would consider myself a devotee. I will watch anything he does i mean it's an obvious uh you know filmmaking touchstone to have is to like david lynch but i can't help it i i do love david lynch a couple of things i do want to say talking about watching it now as opposed to watching it when i was younger two big things are seeing uh one seeing the influences more at play and that being Mm -hmm. like i'd seen vertigo already when i'd seen this but like having seen vertigo more and knowing what a fan of that movie he is like, and also having seen sunset Boulevard, that's another one and having seen carnival of souls, which I only watched fairly recently in the last few years and hadn't seen. And that watching Mulholland drive after having seen carnival of souls, there's so much of carnival of souls in Mulholland drive. I mean, yeah, I've heard about that being an influence for him and in other movies like lost highway, but like, that's a movie that literally opens with a woman in a car accident and, and a (laughs) woman who is, you know, spoilers alert, spoiler alert for carnival of souls who is dead and is being pursued by these kind of like otherworldly phantom men. Yeah. So I I think that's interesting that he's kind of, you know, he is, you know, He's cataloging all of these influences and kind of having them play out. Yeah, and like I said, Vertigo is obviously this is a mystery where someone gets a haircut and puts on a blonde wig. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I love that. And the other thing is, uh, yeah, the Twin Peaks of it all. Like I hadn't seen Twin Peaks when I first watched this, and watching it now, I mean, going through the stages of having seen this, there also was this theory that this movie takes place in the Twin Peaks universe, not just because the title was almost used for a spinoff, but because, right. and Blaine, I'm I'm sad that you missed this in your behind-the-scenes research, but Laura Palmer and Ronette Pulaski from Twin Peaks are in this movie, in, in Club Silencio. Oh my god. You're gonna have to watch it again tonight, man. Because, uh, yeah, oh. when, they, when they first go into that theater and take their seats there's laura palmer there's ronette pulaski you know two of the victims from that so you know and and then they're sitting in a theater with red curtains like you know the black lodge and twin peaks 
And then when mm-hmm. Twin Peaks The Return came out, and then you've got all of these kind of like, <laughs> again, David Lynch hates poor people because there's all of these like monstrous <laughs> yeah. kind of cartoon hobo type characters. Those are the same type people. Yeah, it seems uh, very similar. So I, I, the ones that make the Gorgonzola. Yeah, and it, this is not just like a, <laughs> this is not just like a you know like little Easter egg. Like if you're you know calling these actors and having them come out here for this scene, it seems very purposeful. And and I do like that. Like all of his mm-hmm. movies. One thing I like about his movies is it feels like one's just building on top of the other. Like you, I. You know, I remember seeing Inland Empire and thinking, like, this is the culmination of all of these themes and things exactly. he's been doing. And then, like, you watch the recent Twin Peaks series and be like, oh, no, this is the culmination of all of the things. <laughs> and, you know, now he's doing something for Netflix. And I, maybe I'll have that feeling about that. Oh, but, shit. Uh, yeah, it's rewatchable. Um, but what about you, Blaine? <laughs> um I yeah I I get it I I I think I think I I get why it's oh all rewatchable God. I and I will rewatch this movie again but I'm not damn right you I'm will not the biggest David Lynch fan I just don't go oh. for what he's doing Okay have you seen Eraserhead No Oh you've got to watch Eraserhead and, and to be fair I haven't seen much David Lynch so I will watch more David Lynch and come back maybe we rewatch this movie years from have now Have you seen Inland Empire I haven't No Okay well hold off on that until you see Eraserhead <laughs> Did you watch okay. The Last Highway? Because Last Highway was never one of my favorites, no, but I watched that in the theater recently, too. And I think, yeah. you know, I do think that's, you know, honestly, seeing them theatrically, I think, is a big part of it. And which is funny because yeah, it was sure. a TV pilot. But even like watching right. the pilot, like, and seeing how those scenes, like, don't play the same on a TV, like in the four by three frame with this kind of like artifice of like commercial breaks and stuff happening in between. There is something about going to a David Lynch movie and sitting down in the dark with strangers and having the, you know, three decibels over the normal <laughs> sound barrier <laughs> cranked up. You know, there's something about like giving yourself over to that world that you can't totally replicate mm-hmm. at home. I mean, Inland Empire yeah. was a great example. That was one of the greatest theater going experiences i ever had I, there's a, there's Absolutely. a scene in that movie where uh laura dern shows up at the back of a movie theater and i turned around to look as if she <laughs> was going to be there like an idiot and so did everyone else in the theater everyone in the theater was looking at the back of the room as if laura dern was going to stroll through <laughs> wow uh, uh, yeah, so I, I do think like yeah, it's it's not something you can completely uh, replicate at home or get the full experience at home. Yeah, certainly yeah, not I'll, on your phone. I'll watch them all on my <laughs> on my Apple Watch a no. little later. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you I'm not you have a game boy. It, so I'm I'm the I'm not the best guy. To, yeah, if I can pixelate it any further, um, I'm not the best guy to say. But I, I I do see the value of this movie. It doesn't really capture me. Like I think it captures you guys, and I don't think David Lynch as a filmmaker does yet. But um, oh I'm excited to see more of his stuff as as I would of, of, <laughs> of, of, of any other filmmaker. <laughs> I'll check out more of his stuff. This Lynch guy sounds young okay. Upstart. He's like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you I know. mean, you should start with his we'll YouTube does. videos where he talks about the weather and like builds wooden urinals in his shed. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you should start. 
<laughs> is that true? Because I, I definitely will check that out. That sounds amazing. Well, um, he he did. You know, he was also yeah. He was a pioneer, like before Patreon and stuff. Like he had a pay website where he would upload short films and and content specifically right. for like his patrons. And now he's been doing more on his YouTube channel, including bringing back his weather report, which is him describing the weather as he sees it and experiences it, and uh, <laughs> and doing other stuff. Like yeah, he's been building projects and yeah the i remember the first one i watched was he built like a little sort of wooden urinal trough in his uh workspace so he wouldn't have to leave <laughs> you can pee in this if you don't want to go to the bathroom in yeah. the house and he, was, he, he always ends those videos be like let me know in the comments what projects you're working on and it's like should i let <laughs> david lynch know about the ikea shelf i just put together no <laughs> No, I shouldn't. He's not going to read that. Maybe you should. Uh, he sounds like a like a grandfather being like, you know, tell me about your hobbies and we can connect. He that's is. And nice. he's got like a beard now. I mean, mm. I mean, that's the other thing. Like David oh, Lynch wow. is also like a, a old, rich white guy who has been famous since he was very young. And he is in his own world. But that means he's very out of touch from our world. I mean, like, remember he even made that comment, Rob, about like supporting Trump or something? And everyone was like, yeah, he said something that was kind of like pro-Trump at one point and everyone freaked out. And then he was like, oh, never mind. Like, I actually, now I've heard you're actually not so great <laughs> or something like he, he's very <laughs> in his own world. And like, right. that's great for the movies, yeah. but like. He's not politically. He's not aware. politically aware. I even remember, like he he has like a, a new child with a new wife, and had to like, you know, basically say like, I'm not going to look after this kid. I'm going to work on my shit, and you're going to have to <laughs> look after the kid in in a separate <laughs> building on this property. Like he is not going to sacrifice his art for anything, and uh, that's what gives us a lot of great art. But you know, I mean, I don't know what my point was with this, but I think I think if you're looking for something beyond the world of David Lynch, you're never going to get it because he is very much about his own kind of cerebral focus at that time. So I can understand why that does put people at a distance, certainly when he comments on politics. But uh, I mean, like, yeah, I I hope you do get a chance to see some of them in the theaters and 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 get into it. Well, I will. I will try. <laughs> I will try. We will force you to. Yeah, that's what it, we that's will. What it sounds like it's there will be a, a car picking you up, and then we will stop at a place. Force me to get out. Wasn't expected. I saw the, the Fifth the Element theater. in yeah. the theater. That's it's supposed to be watched on a phone, so you really missed the experience there. But uh, but I'm I'm glad I rewatched this. Thank you very much for joining us this week on Rewatchability. You can check out all our other podcasts on line at rewatchability.com you can talk to us through you know facebook or or uh, twitter twitter's probably best or in your dreams or through the dream logic you can do that too and if you really Don't want to um, support us you can tell a friend about us you can tell a coworker about us you can you can talk to someone about us that'd be really great and if uh, you are a very private person or don't want to interrupt your uh, company's zoom calls with talk of rewatchability and you still want to support us you can go to patreon.com/rewatchability and give uh, some change to us there that'd be really great and until next time i have nothing more to say <laughs> that's it silencio silencio oh Justin, Justin Thoreau's hair. Oh God, yes! <laughs> it was it was because he came, he did a red eye flight to get the the audition, 
and then he showed up in like a frumpy suit that was not ironed with his hair all fucked up from his headphones on the flight and david lynch was like you're perfect keep it (laughs) (laughs) ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 